find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Hey everyone, Dave here to tell you about my show Cryptic Cocktail Party. Looking for a good time filled with laughter, intriguing tales, and a splash of the supernatural? Well, maybe I can help. Every week I bring on a rotating cast of guests to have a few drinks, share a few laughs, and take a dive into the unknown. Join us as we raise our glasses and tell the tales of some of the world's most famous cryptids, from the legendary Grafton monster to the elusive Dover demon and the enigmatic Mothman. But that's not all. Our party spills over into the world of the extraterrestrial, encounter the spine-chilling Flatwoods monster, the mischievous Hopkinsville goblin, and uncover the truth about infamous alien encounters. You need a dash of mystery? We got you covered. Delve into mind-blowing conspiracy theories such as the infamous Philadelphia experiment and the secrets hidden within the Denver airport. Cryptic Cocktail Party is a weekly comedy podcast that guarantees laughter, curiosity, and a few surprises along the way. Cheers to the unknown. It's me, Howard Cowsell, returning to you once more again on a Monday afternoon, trying to introduce the show for my friend Matt over here. Get the fuck out of here, Howard. What? I, who let... Alex, did you let him in here? Sorry, dude. He said you had a surprise for us. No. Call me first, man. That guy... It's hard to get him to leave. Welcome back, everybody, to a surprise bonus episode of My Second Self and I. Sorry about Mr. Cosell. I'll deal with him later. Don't worry. In the meantime, I had the day off today, so I figured there'd be no better way to spend it than talking about some random wild shit that people thought they could get away with. Do I get to talk in this one? Yes. That's Alex, everyone, one of the voices in my head, my inner monologue that occasionally makes his way into the real world. I got into a groove last week, and he ended up just staying kind of quiet. Also, totally forgot to put in one of his lines in the Kentucky Cannibal episode yesterday. Don't worry, wasn't important. Yeah, thanks for that. Either way... I am excited to be here once again because today I have three stories for you. In these anthologies that I put out from time to time, I find three separate but equally crazy stories to tell you all about because they're fun. You know, I can kind of take a more relaxed approach in the presentation department because the story itself is so insane, you kind of can't help but laugh anyway. Which is a good thing since this is a comedy show. These are always true stories that I tell, and sometimes they can get kind of brutal, but... I like to focus on the more ridiculous details and try to dig deep to find the funny angle on things. Today it'll also be much easier to do that since nobody dies. There is some mutilation later, but it's voluntary and surrounded by redneckery, so I'm giving it a pass. These episodes are also sort of a playground for me to test out new characters and ideas and just to have some fun with it while also being productive. Got a couple really interesting stories for you today including yet another case of confusing hillbillery from my home state of Oklahoma. That's the one I mentioned a second ago. Jordy, watch out up there, buddy. There's also a guy that lived out everybody's 2020 coronavirus fantasy in a really funny way. And I found the real-life version of one of my favorite recurring characters on this show. I'm going to leave that one till the end. If you know who I'm talking about, sorry he hasn't been around in a while. He's a busy guy. And as you know, he doesn't talk. He's mostly only talked about. 
And he's been busy trolling around the South trying to make a bigger name for himself in some really interesting ways. I cannot wait to talk about that person either. Okay, I have run out of introductory talking points or other things to set up why we're here today. So gather around, get a snack, hydrate, blast some loud metal real quick, load a bowl, crack open a cold one with the boys, put a milkshake in the front yard for the other boys, whatever you gotta do to get in the mood for comedy. Pause this for a few seconds and go do that. I'm gonna run over to the podium over there real quick and I'll see you after the whoosh. If you've been listening to the show for a while now, you know that I love to ask the question, why? Why did that person do that thing? Why did that thing that shouldn't have happened happen? Why, in its many different forms and contexts, I believe, is the most important question you can ask about pretty much anything. So why am I talking about why? Because I talk about crime and other dubious and questionable activities related to human behavior, and wouldn't you know it, there's an entire field of study dedicated to answering those why questions that tend to come up. I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, you know, since I've been doing crime-related content for over a year now, but we're real with ourselves and we learn as we go. I just stumbled across perhaps the most interesting response to why do people do crime? It's called routine activity theory, and you can think of it as sort of like a Venn diagram of the perfect set of conditions for lawlessness to prosper. You take a person that needs something, put them near another person that has the thing that they want, and if there's no foreseeable immediate consequence, it then becomes a balancing act of risk versus reward. Balance. The theory suggests that instead of requiring a motivation to commit a crime, given a set of favorable circumstances, anybody can be enticed to crime it up based on value, inertia, visibility, and access. How much it's worth, how easy it is to transport, if it's hidden or not, and if it's difficult to get in front of. Let's say, hypothetically, you see somebody on the street drop a $100 bill and you happen to come across it. Yoink! Let's also say you're now a mugger, and you see a single person carrying a large bag walk through a dark alley to take a shortcut home. Stick em up! And fuck it, why not, let's also also say you put me in a closed jewelry store with no cameras, no inventory logs, and nobody around for miles in the middle of the night. Excuse me, I have always driven a Bentley. How dare you make crude observations about my lifestyle, sir! Bentley, look at you, Mr. Fancy New Car. I've always had it! And once again, we come back around to the question I'm sure you're all wondering, who put me in charge of a podcast? I mean, why am I talking about routine activity theory? Because it answers the questions you're going to have in a few seconds when it tells you about Luis Ortiz. Or it might be Louis, I'm not sure. Oh, what did he do? I think most people at one time or another have had the fantasy of being left alone inside a toy store or a candy shop or whatever just to be able to do whatever they want in. Well, in mid-April of 2020, right as the COVID panic was just starting to really sink in, a man named Luis Ortiz took advantage of the surrounding chaos surrounding his community in a really unique way. I'm gonna go with Luis. As I'm certain you all remember by now, 2020 was a charred hellscape of confusing and borderline discriminatory practices and policies for most of the country. I know not everywhere was on fire, but I live in the South, so it felt like it was to me. One thing that no state or city was immune from, though, was the sudden closing of many popular restaurants and local mom and pops. Lewis, as we'll find out, very opportunistic hunter, and when he found out his favorite Cuban joint was closing for a little while, he hatched a bit of a plan. How do you know it was his favorite? Okay, I don't know that it was his favorite. It could have just been this restaurant happened to fulfill his set of conditions. He is opportunistic, after all. Well, he's walking around town one day up in New Haven, just a casual stroll, I'm kind of imagining that walk Peter Parker does in Spider-Man 3 when he's all emo. 
Well, this friendly neighborhood con man notices something off about the now-closed Sol de Cuba Rest Cafe. What? Many restaurants and businesses had to temporarily or permanently shut down during COVID, this one being no exception. Except they forgot one minor yet very important detail. There was a ground floor window left open, and for a man like Lewis, who's looking for an opportunity to prosper, he finds the point of ingress with no trouble at all and proceeds to have a really fun time in there. This restaurant was planning on opening again soon, but I think after Lewis got done in there, it might take them a little bit to recover. Actually, I think they did permanently close. I tried checking the, web the website hyperlink, but it didn't go anywhere. Basically, thanks to the pandemic, this man got to live like a king for four days while alone inside the restaurant, helping himself to all the unguarded food and liquor bottles he could handle. Thanks, COVID, you're a real pal. Yeah, real. Wait, there's nobody here? Alright, I'm gonna make myself a pineapple drink and play Zelda on these big-ass wall TVs. I actually probably would have just hotboxed the walk-in. I'd grab my Snuggie, pull myself all the way inside of it to completely block out any airflow, turn off the condenser fans, and just completely fill it up like the van in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I wonder if he turned on the grills or fryers or anything to actually cook something, like he's some sort of rogue chef. Maybe Chef Vigilante is just serving up some spicy pineapple-flavored justice with a side of coconut rice. I know it's not Cuban, but he's a vigilante. He does what he wants. Or maybe that was his favorite place to eat, but was dissatisfied with the bathroom cleanliness, and he's there to do freelance janitorial work. Maybe the food and beverages he took were his payment. Or maybe he was just in there fucking around because there was nobody there to stop him. Either way... That's got me trying to think of how much stuff I could actually get done if I had four uninterrupted days of freedom. There would actually probably be so much potential for productivity that I overwhelm myself with possibilities and wind up doing nothing. It's... it's a... it's a problem. But it seems like Lewis doesn't have much of a problem figuring out what to do. He manages to get away with over 70 bottles of stolen or consumed liquor, several thousand dollars worth of food, so like four steaks and a bottle of wine, as well as some restaurant property. Maybe some small equipment like knives or a good blender. That would be a pretty good get, actually. Restaurant-grade shit is expensive for some reason. And I want to know what the fuck one man is planning on doing with 70 bottles of liquor. I mean, maybe he's stocking up for the rest of the pandemic, but... If you've got liquor in the house and there's nothing else to do, drinking immediately becomes the thing to do. I mean, I guess he could have given some to his friends or sold a few to make a quick buck. Seems like a good little side hustle. Except for, you know, when you start raiding your own stash and passing out. So I imagine it's like midnight. He's got a big plate of nachos, a beer, a bottle of rum. He's already hammered. He's been drinking all day. And he says, okay. I'm set my alarm early so that we can get out of here before anyone sees. Let's set it for six, seven, fourteen. That's that's good. All right, SpongeBob. Well, whatever he did with the majority of the liquor remains to be seen, but he probably drank more than his fair share because on Tuesday morning around 11.30 a.m., just missed his alarm, a cop came by to investigate a, quote, robbery in progress when they found Lewis asleep inside the restaurant. And if I know anything about unsupervised drinking, you can definitely read asleep as passed out. Captain Anthony Duff reviewed the security footage from his initial break-in, which occurred on Saturday, confirming the suspicion that he'd helped himself to whatever he could get his hands on by climbing in through a window. Very opportunistic. He was, of course, arrested, 
held on a $12,500 bond. And you would think that would be the end of Lewis's story, right? Live like a king for four days while everybody else in the world was scared to go outside. And here's the crazy thing, though, about that. If he had gone home instead of staying there, he probably would have gotten away with it. Like, who knows how long it would have been before the owners came back, and by then, Lewis would have been long fucking gone. But nope, I'm gonna get drunk and take a nap on the rice bags. Night-night. Well, he must have eventually either posted bail or otherwise been released back into the general public because in May of this year, just a couple months ago, he's back at it again. This time, the ever-opportunistic Lewis was arrested for robbing a gas station, this time with the bond set at $25,000. He must be a huge flight risk. I kind of wish I could find more about this guy, but so far, that's all I got. I don't think it'll take very long for him to pop up again. Seems like he just can't stay out of trouble. So as far as the routine activity theory goes, we have a man who found himself in a scenario that just happened to have the perfect set of conditions for crime to occur. The window was open, nobody can see him, there's stuff in there that he wants, it's completely unguarded, and boom bam baby bunny, it's crime time. But enough about Connecticut and the routine activity theory and COVID fantasies, I miss my family and I want to go back to Oklahoma. But since I can't do that, thanks to the hunk of shit I call my car outside, I'll have to settle for an insane story from there to hold me over until I can figure that out. A little further along down the year in 2020, there's some goofy, disgusting backwoods shit going down over in Lafleur County, Oklahoma. I think specifically in Worcester. The next closest place to here is another little town called Poto. It's about the same size as my little hometown, but essentially, this place is in the middle of goddamn nowhere, right next to a big-ass lake, which means that if you get bored, you gotta kinda get creative. Usually in small towns and places that don't have easy access to more fun things than just what's outside and nearby, the thing to do to have fun is either get drunk or do dangerous drugs. At least that's what I used to think were the only options until I came across this story. Apparently, another thing you can do, and I don't recommend this, is to set up a pseudo outpatient clinic as an Airbnb and offer to perform illegal gender reassignment surgeries on volunteers. Wait a minute, what the fuck? I used to think that the biggest issue with the growing popularity of Airbnbs was that corporations are buying up entire subdivisions to turn them into Airbnbs instead of just leaving the housing market alone so normal people could have a chance to buy a damn house. But you could argue that an unlicensed lakeside medical clinic would be a much worse fate for the industry. This probably isn't going to be a surprise to you, but we have to talk about a couple of gentlemen with three names, which will make sense here in a minute. Guys with three names seem to always be involved in this type of shit, so Bob Lee Allen and his husband Thomas Evan Gates are, of course, no exception to this rule. Normally, I can figure out how to get from A to B in these situations, but these two guys are on a whole other level of just confusing. This is a crazy-ass little short story, and by the way, I have to point out real quick, none of my actual family is even remotely like this. We're more of a do lots of shit with horses kind of family. Okay, fine, one of my brothers plays a whole lot of cornhole, but that's as far as it goes, and that's at least competitive. Come on, and it's a shitload better than what these two guys did. So what did they do? Sheriff Rodney Derryberry, old Sheriff Rod, said about it, I can't say it's cult activity, but it is something we've never seen before in this part of the country. It's borderline some type of activity, but there's no danger to the public at this time. So what exactly did these two men do? A 28-year-old man whose name has been redacted, which is awesome, I probably wouldn't have said it out loud anyway, 
He flew in all the way from Virginia to meet the couple in Dallas, and then got in a car with them to drive the cabin up into Worcester. How did he meet these two individuals? Well, Mr. No Name was doing some research on the old magic rectangle while looking for information about castration and other related terms and stumbled across a website operated by Bob. Thanks to this website, Mr. No Name was able to make contact with Bob and make arrangements to meet up in Dallas, but do you want to know the worst part of this whole thing? Not really. In the registration box for the website was a welcome note that said, from the eunuch maker and the EM crew. Oh my god, EM That, yeah, it was a good word. <laughs> what the fuck? Now, a lakeside cabin set up as an Airbnb is one thing, but the stuff inside the cabin would concern anybody. There was a makeshift operating table, surgical tools, and a cabinet full of powerful drugs like hydrocodone and lidocaine. And fuck it, why not throw in some shrooms too? We're in the woods anyway, man. Come on, it'll be fun. Well, why'd they need all that? Well, they've got surgery to perform, Alex. See, the plan was to make this 28-year-old volunteer into a eunuch, and if you don't know what that is, it's sort of like the human equivalent to neutering. He's gonna get the big snip-snip. So Bob and Thomas administered local anesthesia to the, quote, needed areas, and began the two-hour-long procedure which the patient was awake for. Oh my god, hell no to all of that. Holy shit, Oklahoma. Yeah, they stuck a needle in this man's sack and shaft, pumped it full of drugs, and he got to watch as they physically castrated him. Holy shit, dude. And during the procedure, Bob had plenty of time to tell him other things that probably made him rethink the situation. Like how Bob supposedly had 15 years of experience doing this sort of thing. Not sure how, but thanks, Bob. That's actually very reassuring. And, oh yeah, that he also had another patient one time that he was performing a procedure on, but... Bob kind of thought the guy was crazy, so just didn't bother closing him up after surgery was over and just left him to die. Bob! That's not very reassuring! Now you might think that a lakeside gender reassignment might cost you a pretty penny, but quite on the contrary, the only recompense Bob Lee Allen and his husband required was that they would be recording the procedure for their own, quote, personal use, and I don't even want to think about what that means. Bob is bad news, holy shit. So why bother going through all of this trouble? There's why again. Why do all of this for free? He's gotta want something, right? Well, if it isn't money, it isn't sex, and it doesn't seem to serve a very useful purpose, it's gotta be personal, right? So what does he get out of it personally? Um, how about some tender, juicy, golden brown fried and delicious Oklahoma cabin oysters? A perfect side dish to any camping adventure, Oklahoma Cabin Oysters make the perfect mid-afternoon snack. Yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. He said he was gonna eat them. Ugh. After the surgery, the victim asked Bob a very simple question. Um, what you gonna do with my balls, Bob? Bob joked with his patient. Well, duh, ain't it obvious? I'm gonna fry them up and eat them later. I am a cannibal. <laughs> hey, check out these pictures on my cell phone real quick. I got this freezer over there in the back just chopped full of cabin oysters. Here, check this out. Bob might not have been totally lucid, but Bob also said that he had six more, quote, clients on the way to have the same procedure, so maybe there's more to... No! Bob! Those aren't clients! Those are victims! Bob! Bob, no! So the current victim, Mr. No Name, falls asleep and wakes up the next day in tremendous pain and also bleeding really badly. So Bob and Thomas begrudgingly take him to the hospital. Alright, fine. Guess I can't have you dying on my rug. 
get in the truck, but let me tell you something. No morgue, no ER, and if you die on the way there, I'm dumping your ass in the woods, and if they ask you what happened, you done did it to your damn self, right? Why would he say morgue before ER? What? Bob! Come on, Bob. So they drive him to the hospital, he is admitted for blood loss, and the next day, these two dipshits go back to the hospital. Why would you go back and try to visit him? I mean, I guess he's not from there, they gotta go pick him up, but guys are dumb. You gotta know that they're gonna investigate that, which is exactly what they did, because hospitals are smarter than two rednecks on the lake, usually. They quickly inform the sheriff's office of the, quote, surgery the previous day on the 14th, and on the next day, the loving couple were arrested after police investigated the cabin and found a deep freezer full of balls and other body parts. This actually happened? This actually happened, yes. This is a true story. They're facing a whole bunch of felonies for the castration, including conspiracy to commit unlicensed surgery, performing unlicensed surgery, maiming, unlawful use of a communications facility, distribution of a controlled substance, assault and battery, failure to bury a dead human member, I think that's just another way of saying disturbing a dead body or improper burial or disposal. Very interesting verbiage on that one. They're also both facing a felony charge and two misdemeanor counts for the cabinet full of drugs they found in the cabin, and each have to figure out how to get a hold of about $295,000 for bail. Aha! There it is. The part that brings this all together, Bob also gave $267 a month to the Oratory of Mystical Sacraments. What the fuck is that? It's an all-encompassing religious organization that respects values and draws upon the ethical, religious, mystical, and spiritual art from all peoples, art from blah blah fucking blah, who cares what they do? If whatever they actually do or promote is charming enough to get Bob, a guy whose favorite hobby is lakeside cabin castration, to pay them $300 a month, I don't give a shit what you do anymore. I can probably guess and get at least on the board, like within distance from the bullseye. I can probably get pretty close, but that's some crazy pseudo backwoods redneckery for you. I wasn't able to find anything more about that guy, Mr. No Name. I hope he's adjusting well to his new life. You know, that's why I always love going back home. There's no shortage of crazy things to do or see. But they aren't nearly as crazy as this next sponsor is. Are you sick and tired of people being stabbed? Have you made it your life's mission to seek out and punish evil wherever you find it? Are you also a master of martial arts and armed to the teeth with crazy gadgets and crime-fighting tools? If you answered yes to any or all of those questions, I can only assume that you are Night Mechanic. Recently moved back into the States from an extended mission in Scotland, Night Mechanic is ready to protect you and your loved ones from any potential danger. What started as a simple assignment to repair the fleet of vehicles for the Scottish Crown has morphed into a full-scale action movie training montage. Hi-ya! Thanks to the widely available free information on the internet, Night Mechanic was able to see the escalating series of attacks happening in his hometown and hauled ass back to the state to spread hope and serve justice. He patrols nearly 80 miles a day in order to keep you safe, and while he's not busy whooping every bad guy's ass in town, you can also count on him to assist with car repairs, AC repairs, HVAC, plumbing, fence building, you name it! If it requires a tool, Night Mechanic can help you solve your problem. All you have to do is flash your special Night Mechanic signal into the nearest traffic camera and Night Mechanic will sprint full speed to your immediate location. You can sleep easy tonight, Night Mechanic is open for business. Now I know we haven't heard from Night Mechanic in quite a while. Turns out he's been a very busy guy. Specifically, he's been busy over in the North Little Rock area of Arkansas doing everything in his power to keep the River City safe from harm. But Night Mechanic is a separate business from this little side hustle he's got going on down south. When he's out patrolling the streets of Little Rock, he's known by one name and one name only to the citizens there, and that name is... Shadow Vision. Stop what you're doing 
right this moment and go check out Shadow Vision Superhero. This man, this shining beacon of justice, is almost exactly what I had in my mind when I first came up with Night Mechanic, and his story is just so great I couldn't not include this today. His mission, when he isn't actively hunting down a serial stabber that has already killed three people and seriously injured another, holy shit, Shadow Vision considers a smile from a passing child a sign of a job well done. How is he hunting bad guys? He doesn't have any powers per se, but he is strapped to the teeth with gear and cool-ass gadgets. No, not involved in some sort of lab accident or chemical explosion either. He is motivated solely by the desire to protect the community around him and those he cares about. Much like the Batman, his goal is to rid the North Little Rock community and surrounding areas of explicit immorality. He immigrated from another country about a decade ago, and after realizing that the whole town was basically dead-eyed hopeless husks just trudging through the daily motions, he said, You know what? I heard everybody out here was losing hope, so I decided to head out here and just start helping. As is to be expected, he's a master of most forms of martial arts, and has a rather intimidating set of riot gear he wears around town. Check this out! Bulletproof vest, back plates, leg armor, his wrist gauntlets do that thing where they pop out little hook spikes so he can use them to stop himself from rolling down a hill or to catch himself on another thing. He's got knives, billy clubs, and two katanas strapped to his back that he's figured out a way to run a one million volt electric current through. This man, Shadow Vision, may not be the hero we need right now, but he is the hero we deserve. But why, Matt? Why is he doing this? Because he cares, duh! Come on, Alex, are you not paying fucking attention? Why do you save people? He's still actively hunting for that serial stabber, as far as I know, too. And if you ask Shadow Vision, all he'll tell you is, well, all I can say is he'll either turn himself in or I'll hunt him down. I don't think that's really his accent, but sure, we'll go with that. Pretty strong words, Shadow Vision. I'm here for it, but are you certain it's a man doing the stabbings? You know, we could very well have an Arkansas version of Joanna Dennehy running around over there in the River Cities. Probably not, but can't totally be excluded. Oh, and the most impressive part of all this is that he does it without even having a car. What immense dedication. He is so dedicated to protecting this city, even if he has to walk. If you ask him, he says he gets about 80 miles of walking done in a week, just patrolling the areas, keeping the city safe, and he does it for free. Not looking for a reward. He's just looking for a peace of mind, and can you really put price on that? If you'd like to know more about Shadow Vision, maybe stop by North Little Rock next time you're in the area. You might just see him refueling at his favorite pit stop, the Come and Go, spelled K-U-M. Yeah, that's the South, just blatant suggested business names. Some other potential names at that board meeting were the Jizz and Jet, the Nut and Bolt, the Shoot and Scoot, and the Splatter Scatter, but they just weren't as catchy as the Come and Go. I would have just named it the Morning After Special, but... That's just me. They didn't want my opinion. You can also check out his Facebook page. Shadow Vision has over 4,000 followers, which is way better than me currently. So Shadow Vision, if you somehow ever hear this, I personally fucking love what you're doing. The battle armor you got going on is super duper double sick. Sounds like you have a handle on things over there in Arkansas, and I'm all about the superhero shit. Fuck yeah. Why not also have a real superhero? Post-COVID, anything's possible, and I'm here for it. Fucking aliens are suddenly real now, too. No one gives a shit. What's happening? Shadow Vision, help me figure out what the cool aliens are up to so I can fix my time machine. I'll bake you a loaf of bread. Come on. It's a good investment for you. It's good bread. Okay, I'll, I'll let you guys know if he gets back to me on that, but... That sound means it's time for me to mosey on out of here for the day. 
Before we go, though, just wanted to touch base on what I actually learned about the world today for just a second. I'm actually really fascinated by the routine activity theory. I think that's really interesting thing that I can probably find some other really good examples of for the next anthology, or, you know, just some good information in general. Remember, it's important to learn as much as you can about everything that interests you, because you never know when it'll be relevant again. Also, seems like living out a locked-in-a-delicious-restaurant-for-four-days fantasy wouldn't really be all that much fun. All the stuff I would want to do in there I could probably achieve in my own living room for like 50 bucks, and then I wouldn't have to potentially serve jail time, so it'd be a win-win. I also learned that my home state has some truly bizarre shit going on that I'm still not certain I'm happy I read about. Also learned what terms to absolutely never ever search for on the internet, and got some confirmation that there are websites dedicated to various aspects of those terms, and that I am for sure never getting on the dark web. There's just too much potential for weird and other shit going on, which that's probably the only way that second story was even possible today. And of course, who could forget Shadow Vision? Humanity's greatest hope for survival has finally surfaced in the form of an actual vigilante superhero whom, for all accounts, seems to be a pretty cool dude. That one I'm for sure glad I learned about. That's a cool-ass story. So there you go, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that little extra bonus Matt and Alex time tonight. If you like that story, I've got two other anthologies kinda just like this one. You can find the other Night Mechanic ads there as well if you like that little bit. And if you like the sound of my voice or just how I tell stories, I've got plenty of other episodes to choose from, all of which are good in their own ways. Or maybe you want to go a step further and find something sort of similar to this, but just talked about by a different person. Maybe you need a new show, maybe that show's Cryptic Cocktail Party. Been listening to Dave and his rotating guests since I joined Podmoth, and <laughs> every time I do, I'm physically trying not to fall out of the chair because I'm laughing so fucking hard, so... Give him a listen if you need a new show to binge. Also, Dave, if you hear this, that Hollow Earth stuff was fucking spot on. I <laughs> My abs still hurt. That's fucking awesome. So whatever you do for either of our shows, try to make one of those things uh, a rating or a review. We put a lot of work into these and a couple extra clicks from y'all and whichever app you listen on really does help. For example, iPhone users. You probably have a purple button that says podcast somewhere on your device. Maybe click that and go searching around for some stuff to click on in there. Maybe. I don't know. Check out the socials, Instagram at Second Self Podcast or TikTok at Second Self Pod. I'm just doing reels and some goofy squirrel shit over there, but slight increase to downloads has been kind of nice. Also, check out the other Podmoth shows. They're seriously really good, you guys. Anyway, that's all I have for you today. I started recording... Oh shit, I started recording this around noon today, but then life happened and it's dark now, and then in a few more hours it'll be bedtime, so I'm gonna go get ready for that. Make smart choices, stay kind to everybody, see you next week, bye!